Are you a business owner stuck in fear, doubt, and worry about what the marketplace will look like in the future? Then this show is for you. Strap on your seatbelt and get ready to disrupt and innovate. Here's your host, Levy. Today, I'm excited to introduce to all of you David Beck. He is an executive level systems engineering professional specializing in transportation safety, sustainability, electrification, autonomous mobility, technical innovation, artificial intelligence, space, air, land, sea, and national security systems engineering research. He's the founder of Hub Venture Partners LLP, focused on growing startups across various disciplines. He's also the Chief Technical Scientist and Officer of Autonomous Directive Ventures, specializing in human-centric connectivity areas in mobility. He's an automation, ex excuse me, he's an autonomous expert with extensive experience in driving and working in mobility startups. He holds multiple degrees and certificates in various fields, including industrial engineering, traffic crash reconstruction, airport construction, cross-cultural project management, flight vehicle aerodynamics, innovation and commercialization, project management, business corporate communication, and holds an MBA in marketing. He served in the leadership and advisory roles in organizations such as United States Space Force, Outline It, Just Her Rideshare, One Health Lessons, and that's just naming a few. Audience, I think you know why I've invited David to this conversation. David, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for inviting me, Ms. Levy. So I did the fast summary of all of the things that you have touched and that you're influencing in your work. But will you take the audience on the journey? Who are you? Tell us your story and what brought you to what you're doing today. I think the most pivotal part of my experience is when I was a kid, I looked up and I saw stars and I asked, what's the question? What is those and what they do? Finally, remember a comment about this is where it's always been stars. They shine upon us. We wish upon them. And my whole my whole thought pattern was I need to find a way to get there. So I, I watched, you know, PBS and all those TV stoves and then I started watching Star Trek and the old Star Trek in black and white at my grandma's house. And I said, you know, I want to be an astronaut. And I was like four or five years old. I couldn't be an astronaut because of my height and I can't see really well in one of my eyes and the restrictions otherwise. I decided to be an engineer. So I was born an engineer. I went to school, became an engineer, and worked my way until the space industry about 27 years later. But along the way, I got a lot of experience in technology innovation and working in cars and transportation, working on submarines and Navy, working in aircraft as being a, a senior engineer in the aeronautics industry, as well as working on team building and networking and, and those tangible things that you have that bring up project management and resource configuration and things like that. The words you hear in all these news broadcasts about technology innovation that comes to space. It, it can't be done alone, it has to be done with a group of people. So that's one of the viable things I find that I like to bring people into the fold who are experts in their areas to make things happen. Because you're only as good as the people around you. You bring the most intelligent people into the discussion, you have the best favorable results. Absolutely, right? It's all about the team, right? I My greatest desire personally is to never, ever be the smartest person in any given room. I want to learn from everybody else around me. Absolutely. So David, talk to me a little bit about your role today and what you're doing specifically with, with let's go with Space Force. So 
my position here at Space Force, I am the branch chief for capability analysis, formerly business intelligence, which incorporates both of those tangible assets. Capability is the opportunity of the resources, the programmatic standpoint, the influence from industry, the culture of spatial exploration, all gathered in analysis part is analyzing those companies, those technologies, those pervasives, those those tangible assets of technology innovation and transfer technology to benefit national security, but also benefit the culture of providing opportunities to build that infrastructure in space. And that's what we do in our office here in space system integration here at uh, the Los Angeles Air Force Base, uh, formerly at Los Angeles Air Force Base, but now Los Angeles Space Force Base and uh, El Segundo, California. That is absolutely fabulous. So from you know a child who was influenced by Star Trek and all of those other things, shows coming forward, right? We as a human culture are so fascinated with the idea of space and what's out there. Being able to actually tangibly play in that sector today must one feed, right? The the, the engineering side of your brain, but you're also a marketer. And so how do those parts of your brain play together to drive innovation in what you're doing in your role? So my creative mindset, I'm very analytical focused. So I look at opportunity when people talk about a problem. I look at resolutions. So it kind of helps me market my skill set of bringing people into the discussion. So I usually I talk to a lot of startups, a lot of small business owners, entrepreneurs. They give me a call, we chat via LinkedIn, especially, you know, inbox me on LinkedIn about ideas or or discussions about something they see that can be brought into a product or or commercialized in some sport, so to speak. What I say is, okay, for being a government, you know, a government representative, I say, well, how about we do a dual dual approach, something that you can help commercialize what you're doing, and something that can help benefit the national security and the nation as a whole. So that marketing perspective it helps them understand how their product or service can be brought to fruition. But I think the basic marketing approach came from as a kid, I looked at, okay, I can create something, I can sell it, I can I can make it, you know, feasible to consumers to purchase from an engineering standpoint. I mean, make sure that it's sustainable and that sustainability is part of my marketing approach with building any kind of technology innovation. That's absolutely fabulous. With other guests that we've had recently, space has been sort of a theme that has popped up because, well, it's really in the forefront again for the first time in a couple of decades with the as much passion and drive as we probably saw it was before my lifetime with the original NASA programs. But with what's happening today, the ability to take and commercialize what we learn in space and bring things back to the terrestrial world, right? These innovations go hand in hand. And so you're very naturally playing with the government space exploration side of it, but it, tying it into commercializing and bringing real products and or services to us at home. That's absolutely fabulous. Is there one aspect of what you're working on that you can take us through sort of what the story is, what your what the project is, and maybe what some of the obstacles are that you're facing? So I think most a part of it is, is the evolution of building a small business or startups to exist. I think a lot of people understand that the big corporations like the Lockheed's, the Boeing's, they're, they've been around for quite some time, but they are not the ones that push the ecosystem for, you know, economics in this country or just globally for, for say. So the products and services that we use here in Space Force, part of my job is, you know, growing that project would be the biggest project of all is growing that 
industrial base, right? So I'm in charge of industrial base efforts. In doing so, there are companies out there with ideas. So I take the idea generation from a, a entrepreneur and say, hey, how can we fit that to what we're doing here in the technology innovation for space overall, not just for us, but for DLD, for the, for the nation, right? Because we all know that innovations came out of government a long time ago that actually I'm holding my hand right now, my phone. The process that we use to call people back and forth, communication tools came out of research, right? So part of that is mentoring. Big of my, the big part of my day in terms of the project management of innovation and in, in industrial base is mentoring small businesses and, and vice versa, learning about what the small businesses can do for the ecosystem and for the ecosystem specifically for space-based uh, opportunities. And then taking that and finding ways in which these companies can innovate and educate and broaden the perspective of space-based industry going forward, which would benefit all of us because space-based industry is no different than us, you know, going to Cancun. That's a resort. But in the future, there would be a revolving satellite system around the globe where you can go up there and look at the earth from space and do the same thing you're doing on earth. It's just a transition from earth to lunar. And that's where things end up going. So we, it's not really a hard per se in terms of visionary, but putting it on paper, building that, it's expensive. And it's it's like gasoline prices. When there's a combustible amount of gas, the price is low. When there's a hot, small amount of gasoline, the price goes up. Space now is small because there's only a few companies who actually done the due diligence to have things in space. But as you build up the ecosystem and from a project management standpoint, that cost will be reduced. And that's where small businesses will thrive and opportunities for consumers like ourselves to be on one of those ships and take a ride of a lifetime. Absolutely. And so one of the other things that you're you're tying together for people who have been paying attention over the last couple of episodes, right? You mentioned Lockheed and Boeing, right? The big Fortune 500 companies, which are less than 5% of the businesses that exist. Yep, they control a lot of the money, but they are you know, few in number. Small businesses are what move the economy forward. And in this partnership, right, space itself provides opportunities for small businesses to work with the federal government. And my listeners have learned recently that the federal government actually really wants to do business with small businesses and has programs designed to do this. Space becomes a really big opportunity for those smaller businesses to make that connection to doing business with the federal government because we are designing, you, not we, I'm taking credit for your work. You are designing and working with people who are designing the future and the yes. ability to have that resort in the sky. Yes, it does. I mean, not only the sky, but cross-function. We work with universities, institutions, research think tanks to bring out innovation to not only benefit space and you know astronomy and things of that nature but above our heads, but also benefit new jobs, new innovation, new, new applications, new technologies that would bring our youthfulness child age of four, as I were at one time, into a whole ecosystem of employment that never was thought of and never existed 20 or 30 years prior. Absolutely. And what I always love, and, and I'm totally a, a bit of a sci-fi geek in my own right, but looking back to those old shows, the original Star Treks, right, the 1960s era, and if we were to actually pull forward 
the ideas and the seeds that they planted inside of the minds of children who grew up to be doctors and scientists who brought technology to play that may or may not have ever been imagined if we hadn't had science fiction. It's absolutely fascinating to me. Yes, science fiction is science fact because science is something it's constantly evolving. As we sit on this podcast and we're talking back and forth, there are thousands of different ideas, hundreds of patents being produced in a few minutes of this discussion. This shows you how innovation cycle never stops for not one person, not one idea. It's evolving ecosystem. So exciting. If you look at it, patents for drugs to protect people from getting cancer, opportunities to protect pedestrians from getting injured on the street, opportunities to increase our own age so we can live longer and healthier lives. It is such a wonderful time to be in science. And it's something that I really take very personal to heart to give all I can to make sure that I do something that's innovative and sustainable for humankind. And in this, right, the opportunities for, we're in the midst of the artificial intelligence emergence. And that means lots of different things to different people. But from my perspective, what it means is it's freeing up the ability for humans to do bigger, better, more interesting things. And how, right, how we leverage that in terms of growing into a full presence in space is right that that will be critical and help drive us forward. Do you, from your own personal science fiction childhood dreams, do you honestly see maybe in our lifetimes that we really have a presence in space that is for the average person to be able to get there? I, I do think so because it's not only science fiction or theory. The fact that your DNA, everyone who exists on this planet, there's a piece of your DNA that is not available on this planet in any life form. I mean, we are hodgepodge, just a bunch of different genetic backgrounds and flavors that make up who we are. And guess what? That's what the universe is. So we are part of the universe. I think that's probably why some kids like me hunger for looking up in the sky and want to be out there because we feel that part of us is calling out to the, to that part of ourselves to look up and beyond. And also the fact that commercialization of transportation is part of all the government verdicts in, in terms of how we do things in the, in the private sector and the public sector is making transportation sustainable, reasonably priced and optimistic so the public can get around. And space is no different. As we build our infrastructure for space, for government, for commercial use, for satellite purposes, for all the other purposes going on, there will be process for people to get on flights to fly up. There are not $80 million a seat, right? Like Blue Origin or, or SpaceX. There will be cost narrative that's, that's costing maybe $10,000, $8,000 to get up in space, which is reasonable from a, my average person to save up money. You know, you and your wife or husband or whatever can get out in space and fly up for anniversary of 20 years and see the, see the earth for the first time in your whole life be a magnificent experience, right? We can build, we can put themes around that and opportunities to show how important for us to move up into the stars and outward and, and things like that. And not just be some scientific TV show or cartoon made for movie, but something that actually exists in humankind. And, you know, the idea, and I know that we're making up numbers here, but that, that $10,000 amount, right? For that kind of once in a lifetime experience, I think there are lots of people who plan and save and do those and trips, that dollar amount is achievable for many and for some. And that the thought that that is something we could do you know, in our lifetime is awe-inspiring to me because it, for me, still feels 
way out there, even though we are seeing, I'm going to be flippant for a moment, right? The crazy billionaires playing, but that's a tipping point and it's the start of making it more accessible to everybody else. David, you have such a diverse perspective with your background, your education, and all of the places that you've played. When you're looking to the future, what are the things that you might see on the horizon that are going to be fascinatingly disruptive or innovative that we can look forward to? I I think from a technology standpoint, you're going to see the new NASA contract that came out, nuclear engines. You're going to see us going to unknown destinations in space quicker, more efficiently in a quicker time in terms of the effect it has on humans. You're gonna see some of the research and technology that's been done on the International Space Station trickling down to more commercial use in terms of drugs or, or life, life changes in terms of how we live on earth, how we sustain our economic environment, but also how we treat the planet so that we can have more longevity amongst ourselves and have opportunities that we can branch out and do different types of trades and crafts and engineering and science, not just engineering and science, the technicians, the people behind and make things happen, opportunities to gauge, engage in those areas too, and more, you know, diverse, let's say more diversified, different new types of skill sets in EV sector, you know, in the hydrogen sector to build out crafts or build out transportation vehicles that would incorporate more of hydrogen and electric Yes, people complain complain about the benefits or non-benefits to society, but it's still more efficiency is needed so that we can use those other resources to do other things that and then hopefully put our planet back together again. So there's no global warming and no issues where we can actually live out our lives in more free-based uh, opportunity economy. That is a fabulous look to the future. And I'm sorry, I didn't turn the ringer off of my phone. What a horrible human being I am. With that wonderful look towards the future and the opportunities, right? You you tied together through all of that, that, that tie back to the creativity that comes from childhood and finding ways to think into the future, into space and what's possible and bring back the benefits to us on the planet in, in real life applications. You know, thank you for taking us through that kind of that whole experience. You're welcome. One of the things I like to do with my my guests at the end is to ask a question that is very much about who you are as a person, because you've already shared with us who you are as a thinker and a doer. My final question for you today is what is your favorite way to unwind after a long day? Well, I I love to play golf and I I like to go play golf, maybe top golf, or I have this game I play called golf class just to relate. I love golf because it helps me focus because I'm an analytical thinker. I like I like to look at numbers, but I also like to look at how I can be more competitive with other people and don't know just to play a game of golf and just to sit and have a good time and have a drink and talk and sports and stuff like that. I also go, I like to go walk on the beach. I'm close to the beach here in California. That's why I came back here from Washington, DC. And it's one of the best experiences to have to walk on the beach to get out and smell fresh, cool air. It's a great experience that I hope that most people get a chance to do in their lifetime. It is absolutely fabulous. David, thank you so much for the conversation today. The the touch points of how we we can use the things we learn in space, bring them back down to the planet and actually make it an impact and challenge the way we do things here at home to innovate and, and drive a better future for everybody. 
For those of you in the audience today, you know the rules. Don't get left behind. Join me next time. That's it for today's episode of Disrupt and Innovate. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Every single week, one lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win the grand prize drawing, a $15,000 private VIP day with Lisa Levy. And be sure to head over to disruptandinnovate.com and get your free copy of Lisa's gift. And join us on our next episode.